Hello and welcome to the Dev Jam Bear Podcast. My name is Sean and joining me, Mr. Boffin, my man. How are we? I'm good. It's good to be back in the saddle. Yeah, back in the saddle with two feet on the floor. You feel grounded, don't I you? I feel so grounded. Shoes off, toes in the dirt. Mm. Really feeling the really feeling the nature flow through me. So just give us a bit of background. Um, we've been talking about you while you've been gone. This this will be the third mention of your uh, MCL. Yeah. Can you can you give us the official word to the people one wor- worrying and wondering at home? Well, people worrying and wondering at home, I'll put you out of your misery. Basically, the situation is last week, middle of last week, I suffered a knee injury, which is a torn, uh, sorry, a sprained MCL and a sprained patellofemoral ligament mm. and then a little meniscus tear um, which looked like it was actually going to be way worse than it was initially and and the the diagnosis from the MRI was was much better than what we were, we were thinking which was full meniscus tear so that was an off to an awesome start uh, and then the reality of being on crutches really set in and I'm wearing a big fat knee brace that mm. runs up my whole leg that locks my knee in place and that combined with the crutches and trying to live a regular life, it's just been a challenging mm, week. Mm. But uh, this afternoon, about five hours ago, I was at the physio and the prognosis looks good. The prognosis looks like uh, I'll be out of the brace in two weeks and I'll be like, I'll be walking in like three days, like walking without any <coughs> crutches assistance and hopefully running again in a month gym in two weeks wow. so yeah so day to day at the moment and then yeah uh, day to day reevaluated in two to three yeah for sure but hopefully it's not a Mark Williams situation where yeah, you keep checking the injury yeah, report yeah, and it's yeah. like no no update well no let, update. Let, let us know when you're cleared for three on three and yeah. then hopefully we can ramp up to five on five <laughs> and then some basketball activities yeah I gotta get uh, I gotta get some film crews down to the three on three so they can they can post uh, hype videos of me working out in the off season <laughs> Um, but yeah, quick sort of like emergency podcast because we're, we're sort of at the, not that we have a quota, but it's like usually two podcasts a week. We recorded a four-man weave with yourself absent, dealing with knee and other such things. Uh, we recorded a four-man weave. Not much was going on. We were just like, look, there's a few rumors. We can talk about DeJounte for like the fifth time this month. Talk about this, talk about that. Good job, boys. We waffled on for 18 minutes. Great comedy. Like, it was it was a comedy podcast, right? Um, and then we said goodbye. We went to bed, woke up the next morning, and our phones were, were buzzing because not only was there a trade, like a very interesting trade, uh, Adrian Griffin had been fired, and then immediately after, Doc Rivers was leading the immediately way. Immediately after. Yeah, which we'll, we'll talk about the immediacy of it in a minute. But we'll, we'll start off with the Terry Rogier trade. So the Miami Heat of... The wording here is acquired Terry Rogier from the Charlotte Hornets for Kyle Lowry and a lottery-protected uh, first-round pick in 2027. If that pick doesn't convey, it becomes unprotected in 2028. Um, this is this is interesting. Uh, it's very interesting. This is very interesting. The Miami Heat have been big game hunting for a very long time now. Um, and while this keeps their offer for that big game somewhat intact, it they do lose, like Kyle Lowry doesn't have to be the salary, he can be Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, but they do lose a first round pick that they can just trade. They do lose uh, one of the pieces that can potentially entice, like if Damian Lillard's on the move again, or if uh, 
uh, Donovan Mitchell's on the move, or if Carlton Towns is on the move, their 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 offer just got weakened, and they traded for a dude who, when Terry Rozier signed his like four for a hundred million dollar contract, uh, that was considered like the most average salary for the most average shooting guard in the league. And I read yeah. some article on the Ringer that was just like why Terry Rozier is just average absolutely everything and average is fine like it's he's serviceable he's like 28 years old it's like you're you're just a dude right um and they've they've sort of they've done it and why have why have they done it Dante what do you think or what was your first reactions when you saw the trade well I think they've I think they've done it for two reasons and one of them is cap sheet related and one of them is on court related and from a cap sheet perspective Lowry is expiring uh and the head are not really incentivized to roll into next season with Lowry's with that cap hold going off the books because for the aforementioned trade they probably still want to make it's more valuable to have that salary to send out to match than to be taking salary be taking salary or be operating from a salary depleted situation so bringing Scary Terry who has I think one year after this one and then another year after that that's mostly guaranteed mm-hmm. so he's essentially got two years after this one at like a mid 20s mm. number he can be alongside Hero and Robinson another salary sheet number thrown into whatever trade for whatever player emerges but I find the most interesting thing like this is a really interesting trade because he's kind of underwhelming it's like for Miami Heat standards like the names that they are being connected with like mm. you know, Dame like you know they wanted to go after Giannis before Giannis signed his extension mm, it's like yeah. they're operating at the top of the pyramid yeah. in their trade targets they got Jimmy Butler when Jimmy Butler was like you know an all star yeah, yeah. and here they are trading a first round pick for like just Tyler just well, Terry no, Rozier a, a sort of maybe a poor man's Tyler Hero who's five years older well we'll get to that <laughs> but it's kind of intriguing because I don't think that he's a poor man's Tyler Hero. I think he's actually probably better than Tyler Hero. Yeah, right now, maybe, which is sort of like a bit of a... Maybe talks to how underwhelming Tyler Hero has been, but like, yeah, Terry Rogier has been on a bad defense with bad de- defensive personnel around him since he left Boston. Yeah. Um, so you don't want to knock him too much, but it's like, well, you haven't really done anything. You haven't but I just him. think Terry Rogier has played just about the most irrelevant basketball that anyone <laughs> yeah. you could possibly dream up like even maybe outside of Detroit yeah, yeah yeah because like at least in Detroit at least in San Antonio at least in the teams we've seen over the last four years where there's been real strong tanking efforts Oklahoma City it's like oh, okay there's a guy here who's really good and we're gonna like put everything put all the eggs into the basket of this player developing you've got Cade you've got SGA you've got Wemby whatever Mm. obviously the Hornets have Lamelo, but Lamelo has just been so absent Mm. the last two Mm. and a half seasons through injury that often it's like Terry Rozier and like Gordon Hayward's injured and Miles Bridges is a you know like a wife beater Mm. and Mm. potentially maybe he was going to prison suspended um who the fuck is Terry Rozier playing with? Why is yeah, Terry yeah, Rozier yeah. even playing basketball? Yeah. And it's just been like, I, I just I just am inclined to give him the benefit of the doubt in terms of like his 
output the yeah, last yeah, few yeah. years where it's like it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter if he's playing great like he's this year where he's averaging almost 24 points a game it doesn't matter if he's averaging 18 it doesn't matter in mm, Charlotte mm. it just does not matter and I'm kind of bullish on this idea of I think Rozier is more physically talented and more athletic and a better defender than Tyler Hero and I'm bullish on saying what Hayes like in inside heat culture yeah yeah I, like, I, can he be like a good def- like I kind of think he can be like a good perimeter defender mm. playing for the Miami Heat like I would never have him. said that yeah, about yeah. 20 of the of the teams in the NBA but it's so situation dependent for Rozier yeah. especially because he maybe not so much anymore because he's been toiling in obscurity but he kind of had a bit of a reputation as like a me first kind of guy like wanted a bigger role than he'd earned yeah, not always yeah, yeah. prepared to put in the hard work on D like that kind of stuff just gets stripped back mm, mm. when you're playing for the Miami Heat and like how many guys have we seen go there and be like oh okay this guy's actually like a pretty decent yeah player. yeah I, I'm also I'm also equally as bullish and it's like we're obviously having the conversation where it's like okay well him or Hot Tyler Hero like is, does this mean one of them has to leave but like for today and he played today I think he had nine points hit one three and, and whatever right? it wasn't a great game but for today he's better than Kyle Larry and for next season he's better than Kyle Larry and for the heat way who, better for the heat who might want to have that salary open for a big game hunting in the future um, he's definitely going to be a better player and he's definitely at least going to be under contract for two more years so that helps as well um I'll just mention his numbers. I know you just said that his numbers don't matter because he's been toiling away in obscurity, but career high, 23.2 points, 3.9 rebounds, and 6.6 assists this year. That's coming in a season where LaMelo Ball's played, like, I'm going to guess, under 10 games, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting. I, I, do, I do want to see what Heat Culture can do because when he was coming off the bench for Boston, he was supposed to be a good defender. And it's like, well, you're never going to crack into that rotation with the Jays. Uh, I mean, at the uh, in his rookie season, in his young years, Tatum was at least playing the two and the three, not the three and the four. Jalen Brown was obviously a two. Marcus Smart was ahead of him doing very similar things to what Scary Terry should have been doing. Um, so I'm, in, I'm interested to see if he can get back to it. Um and I think it I think it is a good trade but one thing I do want to mention is that the money savings that are going on here like they are saving nearly like six million dollars in just making this trade and it could just be that you want to keep that money on the books for next year because you're not going to have any free free agency chances I think it's teams like up against the cap just deleting um, Kyle Lowry's salary but they are saving money and they have ducked below the second apron which might have might have implications if someone gets bought out like Gordon Hayward they'll be able to they'll be able to sign Gordon Hayward or someone like yeah. that well it also has implications <laughs> for like if they strike out in the next two weeks leading up to the trade deadline if they can't get anything going on any of their targets they 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 can just kind of be like okay we'll pivot make a small trade and be like mm. you know solidly under the tax line but mm. we're not going to be we're mm. not going to be worrying about it yeah um Many things can be true at once. What I think is indisputable is that he's now the best guard on the Miami Heat if we're saying that Jimmy mm, Butler is, yeah, is yeah, a wing. Yeah. And he's better than Kyle Lowry. Yeah. And the pick that goes out, it's like if that pick conveys in 2027, top, top 14 protected, lottery protected, awesome. Yeah, yeah. No worries. If it doesn't convey in... 2027 and it rolls over mm. then 
okay, now you might have a problem because if it doesn't convey in 27, it means that the Heat are outside the playoffs. Yeah. And if then they're knowing an unprotected pick, it's like, okay, well, you know, will we, yeah, will yeah, we yeah. in five years' time be like, holy fuck, they traded that pick that ended up being number four overall yeah, in that yeah, draft yeah, for yeah. Terry Rozier. But right now, like, Terry Rozier is like a, like a good, like, above-average starting-level guard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And... He's oh, playing. I think no, he's he's average. But well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but since when are we listening to the ringer? I mean, I still do. But okay. um, he he's playing really well. He does a lot of things that Lowry no longer can, and that Hero never has. Hero is. I think the only thing that Hero has on him offensively is jump shooting. And mm. don't get me wrong, Hero is a way better jump shooter. But Hero's shot selection is also probably just as iffy as Rosier is just in like a different way also if Hero is going to jump into all-star consideration maybe even all-NBA it probably would happen by now like it, he's had so many opportunities it's not gonna happen yeah yeah it's but I mean like, that, that was the thing like he was yeah. the prospect to do it yeah I mean Hero like Hero just kind of came in as a starter averaging close to close to 20 points a game and you know he's few, just been doing it a few years later as a starter he's averaging close to 20 points a game he's shooting the same splits he's shooting the same number of times like it's you know it's mm-hmm. not happening and and like you know to wit like he he's not even he's shooting 40% from three but he's not really one of these guys that's like uh, efficient volume score he's shooting 19 times a game he's averaging 22 points like yeah, doesn't yeah. get to the line like no I, I agree it's like if it was going to happen it would have happened by now would have happened and Rosier <coughs> like Rosier gets to the line Rosier pressures the basket he's little so he's not like an amazing finisher but like okay that's kind of what you want in your guards yeah. particularly when all the role players on this team are good shooters yeah 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 your Caleb Martins and your Duncan Robinson Kevin Love yeah, Kevin yeah, Love yeah. there you go like you don't need you necessarily yeah if the if the ball dominant players are good enough shooters that might be enough because if they if they're kicking then they're you know kicking over to, yeah, to yeah. good shooting role players and yeah fuck we've seen good shooting role players have an impact for this franchise in the past Moving on to the other side, uh, the Charlotte Hornets. This is this was described by Nate Duncan as the first forward-looking move they've made in as long as we can remember. And it's like, holy shit, you're right. The Nick Batum stuff, the Gordon Hayward stuff. And I love it. Like, to get that pick that you were like, look, if you get the 20th pick in 2017, that's great. You've just got another pick, right? But there's upside to this pick, like it's and it's serious upside that if you had shopped around Terry Rogier, like what are you going to get? Are you going to get a pick that's potentially like maybe as good as that 2028 pick uh, if it does move into that? Like that's that's awesome value. Um, Mitch Kupchak came out and said that Kyle Lowry will not wear a Charlotte Hornets jersey <coughs> before the trade deadline. Um, saying that they're going to try and flip him, and if not, they're probably going to waive him. And if not, after that, maybe that like maybe he plays, and maybe he's just like that point guard mentor um, for the young dudes, like Mark Williams, assuming Lamelo Ball plays basketball. Mm. Um, well, point guard mentor for Lamelo Ball. Well. Yeah, 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 stuff like that. Um, I, I think this is a look. We're we're going to give grades at the end. I think this is close to an A plus for the Charlotte Hornets. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. Close to. Well, yeah. well, well, are we giving grades now? Well, let's just give grades now. Well, well I've given it. I've given it an A for the Hornets. What's what's? Because I'm thinking A plus. I, I I don't. I was going to let this conversation dictate what I give both these teams. Why why shouldn't I give them an A plus? 
No reason. If you want to, you should. No, but is it flawless? Like, what's the what's the? Nah, well, yeah. I mean, it kind of like like it. Yeah, the trade itself, kind of, for Charlotte, kind of is flawless when you look at it through a limited scope. Because I think even if Lowry leaves for nothing, you just you got a good asset, mm. right? And you've mm. cleared some cap space for next season because Lowry's expiring. Mm. You wave him, or he plays thirty games and then he walks. Whatever mm. doesn't mm. matter. You got the asset. Um, and it signifies maybe like are they going to start looking to move off their other big salaries yeah and do a proper tank yeah yeah which you would say awesome is a forward thinking move yeah but um, I guess I guess that's why I say the trade itself is an A an A plus the situation that it engenders is definitely not because most of the teams that are doing this don't have a 23-year-old on a potential Supermax contract mm. on the team ready to play, ready to win. Lamelo yeah, is yeah. good enough to be, uh, you know... Lamelo is a, is a top eight point guard in the league. Like, Lamelo is an, all, is an all-star level player who could push for All-NBA in the very, very near future. Like, that's mm, how good mm, he is. Mm stripping down and trading away Hayward and trading away Bridges and Washington's been on the trade block all year like stripping down the team that he has kind of come up around granted they haven't been very good it's going to be unpalatable for him the direction that this trade indicates that they're going yeah but judging the trade itself but they've yeah but they've had this team and they haven't gone anywhere like they're no yeah completely I guess I get, uh, maybe like I would hold off my A plus, just waiting to see if they can move Kyle Larry again. If they move Kyle Larry for a second, sick. Like but that. life, life is so short. <laughs> if you even have a sniff of giving something an A plus, just give it an A plus. Revel yeah, in the, that's true. Revel in the A plusness of it. It's also a very high floor trade. Like to grade, yeah. it's like you're not. No one's going to give this below a B plus. Because, yeah. Well, yeah. worst case scenario, I just outlined. Best case scenario, you flip Lowry again for two seconds and some useful salary. Yeah. There you go. Um, uh, all right, let's move on. The Miami Heat, what are you giving them for this? You're giving them a B plus. B plus. Yeah, I'm bullish. I'm bullish on this. I think I think this can work out nicely for them. And I, in my heart of hearts, I don't believe the Miami Heat will be bad in 27, 28 because the Miami Heat haven't been bad ever Mm-mm. in the last 15 yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm it's 2024. Yeah. LeBron joined in <coughs> 2010. Yeah. They had that one year with Lawal Deng where they dipped, they drafted Bam Adebayo and they went right back. Where did they draft Bam Adebayo? Like 13th overall. So them being bad. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm I'm backing you up. I'm leaning B, B minus. Yeah. I sort of want to wait and see what's coming after this. If there is a bigger move or if this is just keeping the powder dry for if they are going to make a move next year. But... I don't think they can make a move next year. Like, yes, they keep the salary, but they've given up a pick where if Donovan Mitchell says, I want to go to the Heat, they go, okay, well, what picks do they have available to trade? Now, all of a sudden, one of their picks is gone. So when Orlando comes up and says, we'll give you five picks for Donovan Mitchell, Miami, I don't have it in front of me. I'm going to guess it's three. Like, uh, how, how many how many future obligations are they out? They're out minus one now. But... I, I'm just like you. I'm really interested to see what he looks like on this team and what he looks like on this team fully healthy. He's also played in the playoffs. You know that he's good in the playoffs and he's just like a very good basketball player. I'm just going to go flat B, um, not a B plus. Couldn't you, Mac, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, but couldn't you just say like second round, like game clinching dagger? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't you say something like that? Yeah. 
Like I don't know. He's he's definitely like I think Avon Average is a is an an underselling. I think he's a good player. He's like he's he's clearly not a point guard. He's a scorer. But who's the point guard on this team then? I don't know that between him, Bam, and Jimmy, they necessarily need one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of by committee. Yeah. And like, I mean, I, I suppose the point I'm guard. I'm skeptical. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I'm skeptical of the committee, the point, but point guard by committee approach in mm. general. But I think those three are good enough playmakers that it Doesn't shouldn't be. matter. And like in late game situations, the ball will be in Jimmy's hands. Like we kind of know that that's yeah, how yeah. this offense, yeah, offense yeah. goes and uh, at least Scary Terry can catch and shoot when Jimmy does that and yeah. like give him two months in a hate uniform and I, I'm convinced he'll be like actually trying on D <laughs> yeah, yeah you know yeah uh, well give him two months in a hate uniform there's culture underneath <laughs> those uniforms are so bad um, can you uh, I, I don't hate the uniform I hate the court this is like perseverance, hard work, grit, yeah. toughness. Can you, How about you just do those things without yeah. putting it on, a, on the floor? Yeah, yeah. This episode of The Deep Two is presented by Gelateria Bico, the official gelato of The Deep Two. Gelateria Bico, handmade gelato in the heart of Brunswick. You want to talk WNBA? Maybe some WNBL? Australian Opals chat? Heck, even dabble in some EuroLeague? Find the W Basketball Show on the Deep Two Podcast Network. Um, can you please introduce the next topic? So, the Milwaukee Bucks, the 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 thirty and thirteen two seed in the Eastern Conference, Milwaukee Bucks have fired rookie head coach Adrian Griffin midweek, and very quickly, and I'm putting the emphasis on the very and the quickly hired Doc Rivers to replace him mm, mm. Uh, which has just got all of my the whole situation has my all my eyebrows completely raised <laughs> completely 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 raised um, and it, it all just really it's it's sticking in my craw a little bit if I can be completely honest <laughs> um, so Griven for maybe one of the more obscure coaches in the league he's a long time assistant mm. 15 years 5 different clubs um, has a reputation as defensive assistant and the last two stops he was in he was like the defensive coordinator like you know mm. creating the scheme and implementing the scheme and all of those sorts of things so he's got pedigree first job as a rookie head coach obviously coming into a team with Dame Giannis multiple other all-stars uh, championship pedigree a big job and the Bucks have clearly decided that he's not up to the task mm, and they've mm. brought in Doc Rivets, who's nothing if not experienced with star teams. And f- flaming out in the playoffs for a team that's been hey, criticised of flaming out in the playoffs. Zipping my <laughs> lips. Do you want do you want to kick this off? No, I wanted to hear you go. Well this I, is insane, man. The whole <laughs> Like can I just say Yeah. Fourth with no games, with no minimum games, fourth all-time in NBA head coaching win percentage. <laughs> Phil Jackson, Joe Mazzulla, and some cunt I've never heard of. Joe Mazzulla, good on him. <laughs> Two years. For a bloke that's Compton, <laughs> good on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Mazzulla's in the conversation with where the only other member is Phil Jackson. <laughs> now, this this whole thing is just batshit, and, and it is such bad process by the Bucks 
Who would you rather have? Would you rather have Mike Budenholzer or would you rather have Doc? Yeah, Hans? you'd rather have Mike Budenholzer. <laughs> a million... I'd rather have million, Mike Budenholzer, man. A million times over. So if I can just start you then at the start of this, they've decided that they need... They've they flamed out in the playoffs. They've decided they need a culture reset. Bud, you're out. You can understand that at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's bring in someone with strong defensive pedigree to continue our strong defensive pedigree this has been yeah, the best yeah, defense yeah. in the league for the past five years yeah, every single yeah, season yeah, yeah. you've got you've got a, a two-time defensive player of the year and another guy who very he easily should, could should have, have had one yeah could yeah. have had one um you bring in a defensive guy and then four games into the season the players on the bucks go to the coach and say we don't like the scheme you're running we want to run the old because he changed it he changed it <laughs> you know you know who knew he was going to change it the Bucks front office when they said in the interview how would you run the defense as a defensive coordinator and And he he says incorrectly well no he (laughs) said this is how I would do it and they said sounds great we'll make you the coach the Bucks clearly the the front office knew that Adrian Griffin was going to change the defensive scheme Um, so the ways that you can look at that is either that they were not at all aware of how the players felt about the success they'd had uh, running the defensive scheme and the importance to the players of continuing that scheme, mm. which is a major failing of the front office. Mm. Or they undermined Adrian Griffin from the very start after four games and failed to back him up and say, give this system time, it will come good. Because four ga- you can't know anything yeah, yeah, after yeah. four games and a training camp. Yeah. Um, so they then... Can I, can I just wind back four games earlier? Though? Yeah. Terry Stotts was an assistant coach on this team. Yeah. And he was in there as like, you always need like a veteran head coach backing up your head. Like Steve Nash, when he was coaching the Nets, had Mike D'Andoni as his, as his head coach. Steve Kerr, when he was the head coach of the Warriors the first time, they had Lionel Hollins. No, no sorry. Who was the Pels coach in the end? Uh, not Lionel Hollins. Lionel Hollins he, was the Pels coach for a long time. No, no, he was the Memphis coach. He was the Memphis coach, yeah. Who was the... They had that offensive dude who ended up being the Pels coach. It's I'm killing bl- me. I'm it's right, it's right on this that. Is yeah. your, this is your territory. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on it. So, but- anyway, Steve Kerr had this veteran coach for him. Um, and then they brought in Terry Scott. Starts obviously Elvin Gentry. Oh, <laughs> Of course. Obviously had a obviously had a very strong relationship with uh, Damien Lillard. Yeah. like a perfect fit. You've just got this veteran mentor. Um, and then it's the stories have come out a little bit louder now that it's happened. And then I was listening to someone's pod. I think it might have been a, a ringer pod. And they were just talking about how that went down where Terry Scott's um, Adrian Griffin said, hey, we're doing We're wrapping up training. Let's all come in to have a chat. And apparently Terry Stotts was sitting there with Giannis and um, Dame and was just sort of going through a little bit more of the intricacies about their two-man game and was just like, yeah, we'll get there in a minute. Let's just like just nut this problem out because like, you know, it's so exciting. We've got these two, you know, all NBA guys. And Adrian, Adrian Griffin was like, that's it. You know, you're always undermining me. Like, get this guy out of here. Like, went to ownership. And then Terry Stotts was just like, I'm, f- I'm not doing this. I'm just going to leave before you eventually fire me or just belittle me and then eventually fire me, right? Mm. Um, so Terry Stotts was like, I'm out of here. Like, I'm not doing this. And that seemed a little bit... I've got this sheet. I've got this Word doc where whenever there's NBA news, that's like a little bit broad and a little bit something to put a tab on. I have it in this um, this Google doc where I can just like press control F and just go, oh, Adrian Griffin, what else has he done? Oh, that's right. He was just like 
petrified by having this veteran coach next to him on a team that's got playoff expectations. But I think it's important. To, I think it's important to note here. Terry Stotts also had a reputation of being like Rick Carlisle North in the sense <laughs> that he's prickly and he didn't always get along with his front office or his players or mm. media or everyone. He 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 himself is. Um, not an, it's not necessarily a reliable narrator. Mm, mm. I don't think that that incident, that incident, the way that it's been reported, mm. it definitely sounds like insecurity yeah, from, from Adrian Griffin. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that like that that we should take that at face value and say that oh he's gotten rid of this experienced guy like Terry Stotts is someone who works with who's worked with Dame for forever. Yeah. And yeah. he's been a head coach for forever. It's not hard to see how he would come in and actually genuinely be undermining Adrian yeah, Griffin's yeah, yeah. authority in a way yeah. that he's just trying to help Giannis and Dame but you can clearly see how that can be perceived as yeah 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 so clearly from the from the get go there there have been issues around this and fast forward you know the Bucks haven't been as good this season as they were but you know the old adage is championship teams find ways to win games mm. even when they're not playing that well they're 30 and 13 yeah um, which is <clears throat> if you had a said to Bucks ownership halfway through the season uh you're on a 58 win pace they would have been awesome then yeah, this yeah, is yeah, the, yeah. literally the best case scenario um obviously things have gone off the rails behind the scenes and i expect that we'll continue to get reports coming out of specific relationships that have broken down mm. within the team i mean there was but, also the Giannis thing where he got subbed out and then Giannis just went up and said hey ref sub me back in there was that a couple of games into the season as yeah. well so there's a lot going on and I expect we'll find more but then you come to the actual decision of it all yeah you decide to fire a rookie head coach halfway through the season when your team's doing exceptionally well it's completely unprecedented even David Blatt got a full season before <laughs> he was fired halfway mm. through the season with mm. his team doing really well this is this is unprecedented uh, I, I can't think of a, an example of this in modern NBA history and then the guy that you replace him with is not only is it Doc Rivers, who is just no one's idea of a scheme-oriented, successful postseason coach. Like mm. you, you want to win the championship, that's the only thing that's acceptable. You don't bring in Doc Rivers. But also, if this was where you were going to end up, Doc Rivers was available when you hired Adrian Griffin. Mm -hmm. If you wanted someone to come in and manage the star relationships and tell your star players that they're important and tell Dame and Giannis, this is how you guys are supposed to play together and keep the seat, keep the defensive scheme warm from your predecessor because you know it works. That's what Doc Rivers has a reputation for. Mm -hmm. He's the caretaker coach who's good with relationships with the players. That's his reputation. It's not scheme. It's not strategy at all which is why he keeps falling on his ass in the playoffs when that actually matters mm. Doc Rivers was available yeah, he hadn't yeah, even yeah. signed for ESPN yet if you know that your scheme is so tight knit and can't be broken unless Adrian Griffin, Griffin comes in and breaks it for four games then yeah just get Doc Rivers you've gone through all of this kerfuffle mm. to end up with Doc Rivers when if you knew that you'd fire Bud to end up with Doc Rivers you probably just wouldn't have fired Bud anyway yeah they, they, they just have made missteps at like essentially every 
point along the way over the last six months with yeah. this and I mean I, like it's it's pretty unbelievable I, I really am staggered by the way that this is all shaken out um, Doc Rivers was working with ESPN and doing the occasional media um, gig here and there like he went on a couple of Bill Simmons podcasts and he went on a couple of other podcasts as well he's obviously just enjoying himself he's got one of like the cushiest jobs in the world and like more power to you if you, if you can be an ESPN analyst like I'm so jealous right one of his side hustles I don't know if you've heard this but one of his side hustles was as a veteran coaching consultant as a third party to Adrian Griffin yep he was he which was I, which by I, the Bucks. which I believe yeah I believe the Bucks initiated initiated yeah. that so clearly they have seen something or m- many things in Adrian Griffin's handling of the team behind the scenes which furthers the impression of you know the impression that that Terry Stott story gives which is this guy's overmatched this guy's incompetent this yeah, guy doesn't yeah, know yeah. how to run a team but it really begs the question again about the reliability of where those reports are coming from and those perspectives because this guy's 15 years as an, as an NBA assistant mm-hmm. the last two stops he was the, the, the top mm-hmm. defensive assistant he his he, name was also listed before he got this job. He was interviewed and, for big roles, and, and it's not. It's in terms of what you can extrapolate about Adrian Griffin and his temperament and his ability to manage relationships. He wouldn't have got this job if he didn't have a reputation for being good at managing relationships with star players, mm-hmm. because the Bucks are uh, that they've all but said it's championship or bust. They've mm. traded. They, they've pushed all their chips in. This is the team. They've got Giannis. They've got Lillard the team is not bringing in Adrian Griffin if he hasn't shown in multiple stages the leadership abilities and the relationship management abilities to do what they want him to do so mm-hmm. then all of a sudden these stories come out being like oh well he was insecure about Terry Stotts and the you know the front office needed Doc Rivers to come in and like really you know handle him with kid gloves and give him mm-hmm. some advice and stuff it, it just doesn't almost pass the sniff test yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah did you see this video that the Bucks posted before their game today? Of everyone dancing of around. Everyone dancing, having fun. <laughs> wow. That would never have happened under Adrian Griffin. <laughs> but like all all the all the retweets are just like this like imagine imagine getting fired and then you go back you just have a video of your workplace and everyone's dancing. You're employed, like, oh, yeah, employees celebrating. Yeah, um, it, it, it all It's all very strange. It's it's highly likely that everyone comes out of this a bit stinky. Yeah, <laughs> but I I just uh, I'm baffled by the process from the Bucks because just like if, if if this was where you were going to end out and it's a dynamic evolving process you can't know how things are going to go but if this is where you're going to end up you're you're the second best team in the East with a you know you're one game two games behind the mm. best team in the East like yeah, yeah. for you to for you to go through all of this turmoil when the success has actually been there despite mm. the fact that you know Dame and Giannis haven't yet like clicked or whatever they're, they're second in offensive efficiency they're still doing it yeah they're, they're, still, they're still good their D has been bad for sure like you, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you can't get around that it's dropped off massively but the team is second in offensive in offensive efficiency so yeah I'm, I mean you, you, you can't really from a basketball perspective paint this as some sort of crisis it's just absolutely not so it all has to be the behind closed door stuff yeah um, final point I want to make, and you can you can add any final points you want uh, after. And it's a bit of a Bill Simmonsy take, but Giannis the coach killer? Question mark. We've seen Giannis do this a lot now, and Giannis, you know, push the tip the scales a little bit. 
Um, this is what there's Jason Kidd, Mike Budenholzer, Adrian Griffin. Maybe there was no was there a coach before Jason Kidd? Um, this is now the third coach. So he's done this. There was also a report that because a lot of people were like, oh man, they interviewed Nick Nurse and Nick Nurse is looking great in Philly, and then it came out that Giannis was the guy who went to the front office and said, I don't want Nick Nurse for whatever reason. Obviously, his brother Thanasis has continued to be gainfully employed for the Milwaukee Bucks despite not being good at basketball. Mm. Um, Giannis. Also, Giannis not signing a contract extension, saying, like, I'm going to flirt with Miami for a little bit unless you make this trade for Drew Holiday. Or he signs an extension right after the trade for Damian Lillard. What are your thoughts on Giannis, the coach killer slash dude who's just sort of forcing his will a little bit on the on the front office? I th- I think it's just part of the course with the modern NBA star. Like, mm. no coach is good. No front office is going to hire a coach like their star player, MVP, doesn't want. Mm. Uh, and kid didn't do himself any yeah, favours yeah. in the way Asking that he in the way that he handled things in, in Milwaukee and like look you can understand from from the from the bud perspective like you can understand he felt they felt like it was just time for a change like you can understand that mm. for sure mm. um, and this I mean we'll we will see because it is unprecedented we'll see if unprecedented type details start to emerge that give specifics about what was actually Mm. going wrong behind the scenes. Mm. Because the the reporting that's emerged, I mean, there's been specific kind of instances reported, maybe one or two of them, but I was reading the athletics reporting today and they were at pains to say that all the players got along really well with him as a Mm. guy. He's Mm. a really lovely guy. Like he didn't lose the locker room at all. Which comes back to the okay. Why have you brought good, in the locker room? He's guy. a good guy who's a relationship manager who managed the relationships, but the scheme wasn't working. Mm. But then it's like you knew what the scheme was going to be. Yeah. Because no coach is getting hired without telling the front office what kind of, de- yeah, what kind of yeah, defense yeah, he wants yeah, to yeah, run, yeah, yeah. the defensive personnel he wants to bring in, ETC, ETC. Mm. So it's like. Yeah. <laughs> it's either like cowardice or naivete on the on the part of the Bucks front office like they've either not backed their guy up who they believe in like the Lakers have with Darvin Ham like LeBron is the ultimate coach killer yeah and Darvin Ham has somehow succeeded for one and a half one and a half seasons hmm. and, and pushed through all of the noise that's been coming out of the LA market about like the Lakers are going to make hmm. a coach change like the front office has said Darvin Ham is the guy the coach is not the problem yeah David Ham, former Bucks assistant. This this might be there might be a little bit of Will Hardy in this, where it's like, oh damn, Will Hardy left as soon as Ime Adoka couldn't be a coach anymore. Or well, hey, I mean, I, you know, you, you're saying a bit of Joe Mazzola in this. I didn't hear Will Hardy's name in that list of the winningest coaches <laughs> of all time, yeah, <laughs> top winning yeah. percentages. Um, for what it's worth, I I agree with you on the Yana stuff, where it's like this is just what you do. Like if yeah. you're if you're a superstar, you can just sit there and go like, okay, cool. Like, can you guys win me games? But yeah. if you have an owner that doesn't want to spend money, that's not going to happen. So you do need a look. You do. Need need to do this you do need to force your hand yeah has he forced his hand too many times i don't know 
10 years. Has he forced his hand too many times? It's, I don't, it's his ninth year. This he's is his two fourth time, coach. Two-time MVP. He's a two-time defensive player of the year. He won a championship. He can force his, force his hand as, as many, too many times as he wants. The answer to my own question is no. I don't think he has. Yeah, uh, yeah any further comments? No, I think, we, I think we just about covered it. But I just want to say, uh, I believe Marco had a similar experience to me in finding out the news for both of these mm-hmm. things, which was that... Overnight on Wednesday night, there was a, a big rainstorm. Yeah, the five thirty thunder. Yeah, it was thunder, Fuck. and I also woke up at I woke up at three, and I I think I saw that the scary Terry news. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was like, holy shit! And it was pissing down, yeah. and it was lightning and everything. I was like, oh, this is whack, yeah. kind of cool. And then five thirty, woke up for the Adrian Griffin news. <laughs> um, <laughs> woke up, and then oh my god, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a that that was a big thunderstorm. It was a big thunderstorm. Yeah, yeah. This morning, I this and now we're in the final stages of the pod. Which, <laughs> if you haven't been able to tell the story that I'm about to tell you, will signify that. <laughs> this morning, I had a I had a dream about one of our authors at work. Yeah, that I was I was I was his publicist, mm-hmm. and. I was responsible for putting on an event, but I had somehow managed to doctor his um, materials, everything that had his name on it. I'd gone in there and written my own name on it. <laughs> and then I didn't make it to the event because I was like stuck yeah. in traffic or something. And so he had to do this reading at this event all on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I got there and he was literally so mad at me. Uh, and then afterwards we made up and we went to get a burger after. <laughs> And then I get into work. I'm like, wake up and I'm like deciphering the dream all morning on the tram. And I get into work, bam, 9.03, email from the author. Wow. Wow. And then what did he say? Do you want to get burgers? No, he, he said, he said, uh, why'd you change my fucking name? Yeah, he, said, literally, he said, literally, the cowardice that you've displayed. <laughs> That's not a bad idea, though. Like, if you like something that someone's written and you're in a position to edit it, God, put your name on it. Yeah. Because then people will think it's you that wrote it. Yeah, they And would. you would get the credit for the great writing. They would. Ah, oh, far out. There would be a That's way... There, <laughs> there, you know, there would actually be a way to do that. Like, I would have to find out when it was getting sent to print, but I could definitely do that, for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, the professional publishing industry... Google Docs, Microsoft Word, What's what are we working with? Look, I would love for there to be more Google Docs. This is taking you into the book industry taking you behind the kimono and the book industry. I would love for there to be more Google Docs because there's a lot of stuff that everyone works on. Mm. Um, and it gets confusing in like mm. documents saved on the server that multiple people are working on because like, who made this edit? I yeah, don't know yeah, who made this edit. Um, and then because it gets confusing, a lot of the times things need to be manually input into documents. So it's like, hey, I've edited this Excel spreadsheet that I'm going to send to you. Can you please copy and paste my edits into the master yeah. document and then save it yeah it's a bit of faffing yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but because there's a lot of really sensitive information going on about everything all the conversations being had are highly sensitive um, and not things that need to be on, on a website yeah on a website yeah, like it yeah. is good to have them stored only in your in work. your yeah, yeah, yeah in your yeah. discreet place so Whilst I would love for there to be more Google Doc use, it is mainly like through the server. So mm. we're talking like Excel spreadsheets and we're talking Word Docs. <coughs> mainly. All the, all the same stuff. Yeah. 
Um, right, Dante, thanks for thanks for the short notice coming on and talking about the scary Terry and Doc Rivers news. It's always it's always a pleasure. My uh, my vocal cords have been getting out of practice, so it's good to <laughs> good to harness the 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 two hundred odd episodes we've done together. Uh, I will speak to you next time. Peace. The NBA moves so quickly these days, it's hard to keep up. Shams and Woj are breaking stories left and right, but the quick timeout is right there with them to keep you informed on the latest NBA news. Stop in and let us break it down as it happens. Find the quick timeout on the Deep 2 Podcast Network.